we've been going through Matthew, and uh, I just felt uh, led to continue our journey there as we go through Matthew verse by verse. Uh, we've been going through uh, several portions of Scripture uh, in just in Matthew. So far, as we looked at Matthew, we looked at the Beatitudes, and we saw, number one, before that, we noticed that Jesus' desire is that his kingdom would live in us, right? He didn't die on the cross just to clean us up and send us on our way. He died on the cross and rose from the grave to live in us, to live in communion with us. God's desire is that his kingdom lives in us. That's where we get our power. That's where we get our strength for living. Not from ourselves and not just because we know the right things, but because we're in right relationship with God. And he lives through us. It's incredible. It's good news. That's the good news, the kingdom of God in us. And we also learn what it looks like when we're kingdom ready, when the kingdom of God in the, is in us. And, and what are the quality, qualities and character traits of the believers as we looked at the Beatitudes? Uh, they are peacemakers and, and uh, they are meek, humble people. They are people who are poor in spirit. What they have, they know it belongs to the Lord and they know that they're in need of the Lord. There are people who are hungry for to be in right relationship with God. And we went through that. And last week we talked about what the truth of what the true disciple looks like and what the Bible says about the true disciple, that salt and light, meaning that uh, and part of what we discovered in that is that God wants us as believers, as Christians, to have joy in life and to bring life to all that surrounds us, right? I, I really feel like it's impossible to, be, impossible to be a good witness without the joy of the Lord. Can I say that? Christianity is not supposed to be a bore. We're doing it wrong if we're bored with Christianity. I mean, we, you, don't, you don't know the God of the universe if you're bored with following Jesus. Uh, 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 Christianity is not supposed to be this misery-loving company. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. Believe that we're supposed to have this joy that attracts others to come to hunger and thirst for God. So we talked about that. And today as we go to Matthew five seventeen through 20, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus and Scripture The topic is Jesus and Scripture. We're going to find in the Scripture how Jesus related to the Scriptures or the attitude of Jesus towards the Scripture. And we will also dive into what our approach to the Bible should be as we read the Bible. Now, of course, the Bible wasn't the way that we have it now for Jesus, but he had all of the prophets and he had all of the Old Testament as a guardrail for life. And we want to know... How did Jesus approach the scripture? What was his attitude towards it? Because obviously as followers of Jesus, I believe that we're supposed to have the same attitude Jesus had about the scriptures. And I think that as we look at that, we're going to find ourselves discovering the way that we're supposed to approach his living word. Now, quite some time ago, we had a survey and we asked those who are part of this church how they viewed the scripture, what they thought the scriptures or what, how they interpret the scriptures? What, what were their main view? What was their main view on scriptures? And the prevailing, the prevailing point of view on scripture here at the church was that the Bible was a book of rules on how to do life. And of course, when you look at the scriptures, you'll find that there are rules and guidelines for life. But I will contend with you that the Bible is more than just a book of rules and guidelines. I, I will contend with you that primarily the Bible is about relationship about God revealing himself to us. Because the reality is, if the Bible is just a book of rules, ultimately, inevitably, we're going to run away from it. Because rules without relationship brings about rebellion. Are you with me? 
Rules without relationship brings about rebellion. That's why sometimes we see our children going astray. Uh, uh, Maybe there's more rules than there is relationship. When rules are there before relationship, it brings about rebellion. I remember one of the rock bands that I used to listen to back in the days, a rock band by the name of Live. They had a song and they said, in the morning I was reading the book, losing my head, reading the book. Yes, I was. Reaching forward, I was already there reading the book, losing my head. And finally, the chorus said, this is how I'm going to go out dressed tonight. I don't need a book. And what he was saying is, I'm tired of reading a book of rules. I'm trying to reach for it. I'm trying to get there. But it seems like the more I strive, the less, uh, the, the further away I am. And if we approach the scripture, like if it were a book of rules, you and I would find ourselves in the same place. Are you with me? We are not to see the scripture primarily as a book of rules. We're to see it as a book that leads us to this God who is a God who reveals himself that we may have an intimate relationship with God who paid the price so that we can have a relationship with him based on his love, his provision, his sacrifice, his mercy, and his calling over us. Isn't he good? So I believe that the following verses lead us to ask the question, how should we view and approach the scriptures? Now, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Jesus here, he's in the process of preaching the gospel that we call the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, Jesus, uh, according to the scripture there, he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus is beginning to teach the way that people live when they are submitted to the kingdom of God, the way that people live when the kingdom of God is in them, when God is operating in their lives. In Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20, Jesus kind of gives a, uh, in a sense, uh, a picture of what his ministry would look like in regards to his relationship with the scriptures. And he says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. May I repeat that again? For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Father, thank you for your word. I'm so excited. This is really an encouraging word. I pray that you would open our eyes to see all that it means for us today, that we would uh, read this and, and, and that our eyes would be open to who you are this morning. I need this. I need to receive this today. Father, I need to receive this today. God, I pray, give us an anointing to receive and hear it today and preach it even, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus says to them, wait a minute. Before I move forward, I want to tell you something. Don't think that I've come to destroy the law. Don't think that I've come to do away with the law and everything that the scriptures teaches us in regards to how to do life. And don't think that I've come to do away with the prophets and everything they prophesied. No, I didn't come to abolish those things. I came to fulfill all of those things. And so why did Jesus say that? Primarily because he knew who he was talking to. And he wanted to show them the guardrails or the boundary lines by which he would operate in ministry. 
In other words, Jesus restrained himself according to that which scriptures teaches. He knew that there were people around him that lived and loved the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus says, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. He knew that there were genuine people who really loved the law, who really loved the prophets, and who waited for the coming of the Messiah. For example, you remember the prophet who was waiting for Jesus. He, the, the, Bible says that, uh, the Bible says that God said to that man, you will see the Messiah before you pass, on, uh, before you pass away. And he, he saw the Messiah and he rejoiced, right? There were people who were awaiting the Messiah. There were people who were hungry to see the fulfillment of, of things. And Jesus knew that there were people there that would hear him say that. There were also people there who thought they loved the law and the prophets. You know, they thought they lived according to the law. They thought they lived according to the prophets. And they built a kingdom of religious activity that instead of drawing people closer to God, it separated people from God, right? We know them here predominantly as the Pharisees and the scribes. There were also not only those who thought they loved the law, but there were also those who just clearly hated the law. They didn't want anything to do with the law. They didn't want anything to do with the prophets. And Jesus knew as he was teaching and as he would do ministry that he would encounter all of these people. And he said to them, this is how I'm going to relate and how I'm going to approach Scripture. I am going to fulfill them. I'm not going to destroy them. So apparently as we read the Scripture, the first thing that we have to take note of is this. Jesus was not against Scripture. He was for them. Jesus was not against Scripture he was for them. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we can affirm these things that show us that Jesus truly upheld the scriptures. We can see that Jesus was for the scripture by the way he lived by all of the law and not just part of it. We can see that Jesus was for the scriptures because he obeyed the law. He lived by the word. And I'm just going to show you, just talk to you about several examples. Do you remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 40 on down, that Jesus, when he's taken to the temple uh, as customary, uh, as he became of age, that his parents lost him for three days, and finally they find him in the temple. And what is Jesus doing in the temple? Discussing scriptures, loving scriptures. So much so that people, teachers in the temple, are amazed at the wisdom by which this young man is answering, not only the wisdom by which he's answering, but the questions that he's asking and how probing they are. Jesus was about the Scriptures. He was about understanding the Scripture. He was about the practicality of the Scripture. A second example is when Jesus is being tempted by the devil. Now talk to me. Do you realize that, did you notice that Jesus was tempted by the devil? What did the devil use as he was tempting Jesus? Scripture. He was using Scripture right? The devil came and talked to Jesus in scripture to tempt him because that's what the tempter does. The tempter speaks half truth, right? Half truth. That's what the devil does. He, he very seldom just tells a straight up lie. I, I don't know, know that I recall the enemy telling me a straight up lie as much as a half truth. And that's why truth matters, right? That's why a hundred, that's why 99% truth is still a hundred percent a lie. You with me? 99% truth is still 100% a lie. Okay? So the enemy used scripture, and how did Jesus respond to the devil when he was tempted? He used scripture 
to come against the falsehood of the devil. And then on another portion of scripture, and I'm going to read this to you, Luke chapter 20, the scribes and the Pharisees again are being, Jesus is showing the falsehood of their ways, the religiosity and how it has no power and no life. And they are just mad at him to the point that they want to kill him. They want to seize him. They want to arrest him, take him away. And so they, they pull out a double edge. They, they, they want Jesus to fall on a double edged sword. And, and that is to say that they ask Jesus a question that they hope to trick him with. The question is this. Oh, and it begins with, it begins with flattery. Oh, wise and good teacher. We know that you teach the truth, they said. And then they said, tell us, should we pay tribute to Caesar or should we not? You see, they had with them people who were called the Herodians and what they were were people who upheld the Roman law, right? And what they were waiting, they were there waiting to hear Jesus say, we shouldn't pay tribute to Caesar because obviously, you know, you should be honoring God and God alone, right? And so if Jesus said, no, we won't pay tribute, we shouldn't pay tribute to Caesar, then Jesus would have been arrested. He would have been accused by the Herodians. Now, but on the other token, if Jesus would have said, yes, we should pay tribute to Caesar, then all of the Jewish people who felt completely oppressed at the time would have felt like Jesus had abandoned them and wasn't connected to their reality, and Jesus would have lost his influence. But Jesus, knowing the deceit in their hearts, said to them, who has a coin? Anybody got a coin? Uh, you know, men have like, like 50 quarters in their pockets, right? They walk around like, ching, ching, ching. Okay, I'll take the, the one, that, the 25 cent. You can keep the penny, brother. <laughs> right? Jesus said, give me a coin. He says, give me a coin. And they gave him a coin, and they looked at the coin, and he said, whose face is on this? They said, oh, Caesar's face is on it. Oh, well, why don't you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar? But give to God what belongs to God. And see, what Jesus was saying is, yeah, pay your taxes. That belongs to Caesar. But you have been made in the image of God. So give God your life. And whoa, they were blown away. I'll give you this quarter later if I remember. (laughs) Right? I mean, it was just incredible how Jesus responded, right? And and so in in the midst of that, they were just dumbfounded why because jesus did not only understand and know scripture he knew the application of scripture he was about the scripture he was about he understood the scripture um, and he rightly defined all of the law and the prophets in a simple way and here's another way that we know that jesus is for the law instead of complicating the law like his culture used to do jesus made the law simple who a good teacher does what explains things to us so that we can understand them the pharisees did the opposite there were the laws of god which were the ten commandments that god then broke down to moses by 613 and then and then the the pharisees and the scribes added all these different customs and they added so much so much that they begin to lose the meat of god's commandments but jesus did away with all that and he wrapped it up in two he said this is the reality of the scripture. This is, this is all of the commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right? He's a good teacher. We know that he was for the scriptures because he was right, able to explain them correctly. Secondly, 
we, uh, another, por- another point is that we know that Jesus was also for Scripture and that they were a picture of him. Scriptures were a picture of who he was. For example, you remember in the Scripture where Jesus says, man, you guys are only following me because I fed you. Yeah, you were there with that crowd with the 5,000 when I fed them. You're only following me because I fed you. But I'm telling you, I am the bread that came from heaven. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying you're looking for a miracle like they were looking for a miracle from Moses. And they ate that bread. And you think that was life. But I'm going to tell you, that has nothing. That, compare, that, that is nothing compared to me. That was just a picture of me because I am the bread of heaven. I'm not a, I'm not a symbol of that. That's a symbol of me. Right. And he says, I am the living water. When he's talking to Jews, Jews understand he's they have in mind the picture of when Moses struck a rock and water flowed out. He said, nah, that wasn't water. I'm water. I'm the living water. And every piece of the tabernacle and every law, even down to the sacrifice, Jesus was Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those things, because those things were just a symbol of who he was. And ultimately, he, uh, we know that he fulfilled the prophecies. There is not one prophecy in the scripture that has been left unfulfilled in regards to the requirement for the Messiah. And Jesus became the sacrifice. We know that he was for the scriptures because he became that sacrifice. And let me tell you something. When something was sacrificed to God, it couldn't have a blemish or a defect. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. And nothing could be sacrificed to God that was sinful or tarnished by the world. And here is the love of God for you and I, my friends. Here's the love of God. That he came down in the flesh to take the punishment that we deserve. Because he knew that in our brokenness, we were incapable of paying the price. And it's not that God is not a God of justice, but it is that God is such a God of justice that he knew that the only one that could pay the price was him. And he paid the price. He took his full wrath on himself, on his son, that you and I would be wiped clean and made his children. It's not that God put away his wrath. It's that God poured all of his wrath on his son that you and I would be redeemed. Isn't your God good? Isn't your God good? Isn't your God good? So we see that Jesus was for the scriptures. He says, I didn't come to do away with the scriptures. I came to fulfill them. Furthermore, as we read the scripture, we realize something. The Pharisees and the scribes, they knew the scriptures, but were so far from the heart of the scriptures. Isn't that sad? They knew the scriptures, but they were so far away from the heart of the scriptures. You know, we will be amazed at the kind of dedication that the scribes and Pharisees had to Scripture and the amount of books that they memorized and how they memorized with commas and with everything in place. Everything was memorized perfectly. Yet Jesus declared this about them. I tell you the truth, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he says, unless, unless your right doing, unless your right standing is better than the Pharisees. Man, you're not going to make it. You got to do better than the Pharisees. And can you imagine just the people that are there? Inevitably, there got to be people who were offended at the Pharisees because uh, maybe the abuse, maybe the spiritual abuse. I know that today spiritual abuse doesn't happen in the churches anymore. But, um, you know, maybe in that culture, right? Uh and then can you imagine, can you imagine when they heard that, oh, did Jesus just say that? 
Some probably were like, well, I got to hear this guy. Some probably were like, if they, if they can't make it, how will we make it? Why is it that a people that were so dedicated to the scriptures missed it? How come they were so far from the truth of his commandments and from the heart of scripture? And I will tell you why. The reason why they missed it, the reason why they couldn't understand it, is because as they searched the scriptures, their personal agenda and their personal accomplishments, their personal aggrandizements matter more than finding the Messiah. I want you to understand something. We come to the scriptures not just to memorize verses, not so that we can be scholars. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, look at the kingdom of God. It's not full with many rich. It's not full with many wise. It's not full with many people like this. It's full with the unlearned and the weak. Because the purpose of scripture and digging scripture is not that we will become scholars, not that there's something against studying, absolutely not. We need to study to show ourselves approved. But you and I have to understand that the reason we should come to scripture is for Jesus. Jesus. The purpose of scripture is the person of Jesus. Anytime we stray away from the person of Jesus and teach something that strays from the person of Jesus, we miss the scriptures. I can teach sermons and sermons and sermons and know the scriptures, know the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. I can know all these things, every comma, every dot. But if I miss the person and the presence of Jesus, this is all worthless. Are you with me? I come to scriptures not because I want to, you know, I want to act arrogantly or be a scholar. I come to scripture because in the scriptures I find the Savior who saves me a broken man in need of deliverance. And so Jesus rightly says to them, John chapter 5, 39 through 40. Man, guys, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That you may have life. He says to them, man, you know all this scripture. And every day I see you just hustling and working and about the scriptures. Yet so blinded. Incapable of seeing how they witness of me. Not understanding that all of the scriptures is just a type of me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt with men. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? That's powerful. You think in the presence of Jesus, I'm going to be looking at this while Jesus incarnate, God in the flesh is here? Jesus says, guys, don't you, don't you get it? I'm here. That's like the appetizer. I'm like the filet mignon. Are you with me? They were about the scriptures, yet they missed the purpose of the scripture. And in the following verses, Jesus exposes the error of their ways and what the heart of the scripture is all about. So he begins to teach them, this is what the heart of scripture really is. This is what you miss. This is what you're supposed to understand. And, and we'll dive later into that. We'll dive next week. But the application for the scripture is this. Why, why did I feel it was so important to park here and talk about this? Number one. I want you to know this. When you pick up this Bible and you begin to read from Genesis to Revelation, you will find that the Bible reveals who our God and Savior is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. 
And I want to give you a guideline to reading your scripture today. When you read your Bible, I encourage you to say, God, reveal yourself to me. Jesus, show me who you are as I read these scriptures. And welcome the Holy Spirit to guide you through that process. I believe that God is a God of revelation and that he will reveal himself to us. As we read the Bible, we must read not for accomplishments, but for Jesus who has accomplished all things. I want you to understand that. So we read the Bible, we shouldn't read the Bible with this idea that the more I read, the more I'll accomplish. But rather, we should come to the Scripture understanding that Jesus has accomplished all things. It's totally different. I tell you what, I've been at a place where I said to myself, I'm going to read this Scripture till I sin no more. So I can't believe you laughed at me. That is so offensive. <laughs> you know what? You know that I failed. And I felt miserable. And because I was looking at myself instead of looking at Jesus, this became a mirror that condemned me every day. Are you with me? You understanding what I'm saying? Not that this is meant for your condemnation, but with the wrong perspective, it, it will condemn you. Right? When you look at Scripture, remember, you don't have to... It's not about your accomplishments. Focus on what He's accomplished. Dwell in his presence. Allow the joy of God fill you because he died on the cross for you. You know what the problem I think many of us have is that we think Christianity, we look at Christianity as the spiritual ladder. We got to climb. We got to get up there. And we seldom stop and park and say, I just want to rejoice over the cross and what that means for me today. I want to celebrate what salvation means. I want to celebrate what spiritual healing means. I want to celebrate what it means that when this blink of an eye and this torment is over, I'm going to be in eternity with heaven, in heaven with God, in a place that he's prepared for me from the beginning of time. Are you with me? Are you excited about that today? Are you excited about the Lord today? We read scriptures. It's not about what we've accomplished. It's about what he's accomplished. And because he's accomplished, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? Man, so that as we move forward, another thing that we need to keep in mind as we read Scripture, we need to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to save us from self-righteousness so that we would surrender to the God of the Bible. Save us. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures, but the more they knew the Scriptures, the more self-righteous and arrogant they became. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to be the story of my life. I don't want to grow backwards. I want to grow forward in Him. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, save me from myself. Teach me to love you and love others. And instead of giving ourselves to legalistic lifestyles, let's give ourselves to loving God as we read the Scriptures and loving others. Paul says in Romans, and we'll close with this, I have one outstanding debt, and that debt is to love. That debt's to love. That's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me today? I was super excited as I was studying and reading commentaries on this on this scripture, and I hope that it encouraged you. I feel much better now for sure. I even got a quarter from this. <laughs> but listen, I, my intention is that you would walk away understanding that God didn't prepare a book for us so that we can read it and be condemned. 
He prepared this for us so that we can read it and draw close to Him. The God of the universe became flesh, died on the cross, not so that He can say, look at how good I am and shame on you, but so that He can say, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And so that He can say, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. And so that His Holy Spirit in us can say, call Him Abba, because He's your Father. He's your Father. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Oh, today we rest on the fact that you fulfilled the scriptures. You fulfilled the law and the prophecy. Lord, we rest on the fact, God, that you fulfilled the law. And in fulfilling it and being the ultimate sacrifice, we no longer have to live under the yoke of the law. But instead, we live in relationship with you. You've accomplished it. Not so that we can live live mediocre lives, but so that we can be more than conquerors. Lord, I'm tired of being so religious and going up the spiritual ladder. Man, and it seems like that's my default. Lord, would you help us today to just park and appreciate the grace of a God in heaven who who wants us to call him Father? Would Would you, Lord, today allow us to just sit in grace? I no longer want anything, any part of me to operate in condemnation. I no longer want any part of me to operate in legalism. I can afford it. My wife cannot afford it. My children cannot afford it. The church cannot afford it. Oh, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace today. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for drawing us close to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. The altar workers come up to the altar today. I just have one one altar call today. Maybe you're here today, and this is what I sense from the Lord today, and I'm just going to be obedient to go in this direction. Just have one altar call today. You're here today, and you realize that you strayed from the Lord. You strayed from the Lord, and you felt kind of a uh, in a set, in a sense, frustrated because you feel like you're not hearing from the Lord. Uh, the, the Lord does not care for where you're at. And you almost feel abandoned. I want you to know that He's faithful, that He's there. The Bible says if you seek Him with all your hearts, that you will find Him. Seek and you will find. Knock and He'll answer. Ask and you'll receive. So if you're here today and you're saying, I make a decision instead of turning away from God to turn toward Him. I realized that my attitude was wrong in my approach to God. and I want to give that to God today and I want to make a decision instead of running away from Him to run to Him. If that's you right now, would you come to the altar? If that's you right now. You said, oh, Pastor, I realized that I've been running away with God, uh, from God in, my, in the attitude of my heart. I realized that I've been running away from God with uh, uh, just just uh, my frustrations and my challenges just felt like he wasn't there just saying today today you recognize he is there today you're saying i choose to run toward him that's you would you come to the altar right now maybe you need you need direction from god you're at a confused place and you're saying god i'm turning to you to direct my life that's you would you come to the altar right now
Would you come to the altar right now? Amen. God bless you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ cover you. Walk in his love and open the book of life and receive the life that is found in Jesus and Jesus only. Amen. Bless you. Have a great Sunday. Happy Father's Day. Amen.